2: What's going on and welcome into a scheduled release edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Sallerson, joined as always by Jim Mikanhofer of Pelicans.com. And we're pleased to introduce you to Aaron Summers, who will be joining us on the podcast and also the New Orleans Pelicans radio network throughout the entire season. Also Pelicans.com, at Pelicans PelicansNBN Twitter. You'll see her everywhere. And uh, we brought her in just in time because there's a new schedule out for the New Orleans Pelicans. Breaking news, every team will play 82 games this year compared to last year when it was not the case. And we're happy to be talking about Pelicans basketball here um, as the schedule is officially out here at 2 p.m. Central time. First, let's welcome in Aaron. Aaron, we're kind of putting you in a not really a tough spot, but your first week here, you're already getting to see the schedule and your whole life has been planned for the next six months.
1: Hey, that's what I came here to do. Talk basketball and, you know, get involved with the Pelicans every way that I can. So excited to kind of dive into the schedule and, and look at what some of these opponents are going to be this season.
2: And Jim, you've had your fair share of diving into uh, 82 game schedules here, and we'll get to that in a moment. But uh, Jim, I feel like the North Carolinas are taking over the Pelicans, whether it comes to players or it comes to our talent here. I know Will Guillory is going to be pleased that Aaron graduated from UNC Chapel Hill. And we have Trey Murphy from the Carolinas, Devontae Graham from Carolinas. They might be battling the Alabama folks here. Quite soon as far as how many guys we have from that area.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we could have a real, uh, real grudge match, steel cage match going on here. Yeah, I I think it's interesting, too, if you think about it, that we went from there's a shift going on. And I don't know, we're going to have to research behind the scenes of what exactly is going on. But a couple of years ago, we had a huge Duke contingent and we still do have a Duke contingent, obviously, with Zion and and Brandon Ingram. But at one point, what do we have, like five guys on the roster that were from Duke? But now it seems like we're getting more of a UNC flavor. so, And we're also getting the pe- people from that part of the, from the Chapel Hill, you know, Raleigh, Durham area. So some, something's going on here, but we're, we're happy to see all of the new talent that's coming in from the Carolinas.
1: Yeah, it's a talented area. So you just got to bring <laughs> in the best, right? <laughs> Absolutely.
2: That was the first time we asked her, are you from the Triangle? And she said, yes. Mm-hmm. And so we hired her right away. So let's talk about this schedule here. And I'll get to both of you about what sticks out. Of course, uh, things will open up on Wednesday, October 20th at home against the Philadelphia 76ers. Will Ben Simmons be a part of that? We don't know. We're not going to discuss that here, but that should always be interesting as the Pelicans first game. Jim, I'll start with you as far as what stood out to you the most when it came to looking over the schedule.
0: Yeah, I think one of the first things I look at every year when the schedule comes out is just it seems kind of straightforward and obvious, but how did the Pelicans start the season? And I know in a few years back for a stretch there, you and I complained consistently about how they would somehow have three games scheduled against golden state. When the Warriors were, you know, one of the greatest teams in NBA history, somehow the Pelicans would have three matchups against them between like opening night and Thanksgiving. So it was like difficult to even get off to a good start. Even if you were one of the better teams in the league, the fact that you had to play them as much as for whatever reason, new Orleans did. Um, and i'm going to this is for sensitive viewers i want you to kind of turn listeners i want you to kind of turn away for a little bit with some of the stats that i'm going to pull pull out here but over the last several years the pelicans through the first 10 games of the season last season they were 4 and 6 the year before they were 2 and 8 2019 4 and 6 2018 5 and 5 both 2017 and 16 they started 1 and 9 in the first 10 games of the season which i i know you you and i remember very vividly unfortunately Mm
2: -hmm. the last
0: time that they finished they had a bet record the only time that they've had a record over 500 through the first 10 games of the season was in 2015 when they won when they went six and four so it's been I mean this is not breaking news to fans we've seen this over and over again that it just seems like a lot of years there's a lot of enthusiasm for to start the season and then the team gets off to a rough start and it, it gets really frustrating so But I always think with a team that has a bunch of new faces, the way the Pelicans do with new players, that it's important from a confidence level to get off to a good start. And on paper this year, um, although they do play Philadelphia in the first game, which was the number one seed in the Eastern conference last year, at least on paper. And I stress on paper, the, the schedule right after that isn't as difficult. They're playing several teams that didn't make the playoffs last year. They have a baseball series, two consecutive games against Minnesota on the road right after that. So, theoretically, this might be a better chance, I think, for the Pelicans to get off to a, a decent start, which I think we all of us in the fan base are begging for to have them get out of the
2: gate fat a lot faster than they have in recent years. I'm glad you transitioned to more positivity because you almost sucked the life out of the podcast in the first <laughs> five minutes with how many horrible starts you listed in the last couple of <laughs> years. But it is important to talk about the trend because it has been a problem for the Pelicans over the past and so you're right there are six of the first 10 are on the road but at the same time the quality of opponent does give the Pelicans a chance to get off to a good start but shortly after Aaron when we look at the beginning of November throughout most of the month that's when it gets a little dicey for the Pelicans so they could get off to a good start but that certainly will be important based on that stretch in November where it's going to get a little rough for New Orleans
1: and it's going to be really important for the Pelicans to start off on a good foot because of the next stretch that they have coming up If you look at November 2nd to November 20th, there is a four-game road trip there. Phoenix, Golden State, Dallas, those are tough opponents. So especially on the road, it's going to be a difficult test for them early in the season. Um, Seven of those 11 games are on the road, eight of them against, again, really tough opponents there. So really want to set the tone. Um, They don't want to be battling from behind when they hit that stretch. So definitely want to start the season playing ahead.
2: Absolutely. We'll get to more stretches throughout this entire podcast, but Jim, when we talk about the stretches, we also have to talk about the travel. Uh, and obviously the NBA has done a great job of trying to reduce travel as much as we can. We're seeing a lot of home, home, back-to-back, some road, road ones as well. Um, but the travel is getting reduced. Um, seems like every year it's getting a little bit better, but you have to commend the NBA for what they're doing, including this year with the Pelicans.
0: Yes. You know, you probably rightly accused me of being a little bit overly negative in the first segment there. <laughs> So I'm going to bring some positivity to the table now. Excellent. Um, we we've complained and I should speak for myself here. I've complained a lot about the schedule in certain aspects of it over the last few years, but I think one of the things that stood out to me immediately when I looked at this year's schedule is I think the NBA did a great job in terms of reducing the travel. Um, there's only 13 back-to-backs, which I, that might be, that might be a franchise low. If it's not the lowest the team's ever had, it's pretty darn close. Um, And of those 13 back-to-backs, only um, seven of them involve travel because you have five home-home back-to-backs, and then you have a, a baseball series where you play at Utah on consecutive days. So, I mean, to me, the NBA has done an incredible job of removing some of the excuses or some of the reasons why teams get overly tired throughout the course of the season. I mean, if you had told me, you know, five years ago that the NBA would get to a point where the Pelicans or any team only has six back-to-backs involving travel. I wouldn't have been amazed by that because I think there was a stretch not that long ago where every team in the league had 20 back-to-backs and almost all of them were involving travel because um, the home-home back-to-backs were just not a thing, you know, five, 10 years ago. That's really something that the league has introduced in recent years. And I think it's been very beneficial because, you know, just the amount of time that you spend on a plane is drastically reduced. And um, it, it's something that the league is really focused on. And I think they did an excellent job this year
2: with the Pelicans. Is, is that, is that positive enough? I was looking for a super duper in there, but I'll take the positivity that you brought up. Okay. And I'm going to kind of back you up with some numbers, Jim and Aaron, as far as back-to-back travel, that's six out of the 13 for new Orleans that they won't have to move either any city throughout. The league average this year is 3.8. So the Pelicans have almost Hmm. doubled what the league average is going to be as far as no travel on a back-to-back. And then back-to-backs as far as traveling over 750 miles, the Pelicans will not have any this year while the league average is 2.1. So with some teams having to have that disadvantage, the Pelicans won't have to worry about that this year. So the numbers do back up, Jim, your positivity about the Pelicans and their back-to-backs and the lack of travel. Um, Aaron, when you look at this division – in the Southwest Division, normally it's a very tough division. I feel like it's still going to be the same this year. Of course, the Pelicans, kind of a renewed battle with the Memphis Grizzlies. Now the Dallas Mavericks looking to kind of get back into the postseason. Then you have a couple teams that may be going in the other direction with Houston and San Antonio. A uh, what catches my eye is the amount of times you play, let's go to Dallas, is you play them a lot in the first couple of, of weeks here in the regular season. So I feel like that can be an important part for the Pelicans, get off a good start, not only – uh, in the conference, but within the division.
1: you look at Dallas winning the division last year, they went 42 and 30, but they were fifth in the Western conference going into the playoffs and, and seeding the Western conference is loaded. It has been for years. So automatically the Pelicans have a tougher schedule because they're playing more Western conference opponents. And you mentioned Houston and San Antonio. They're both kind of in rebuilding years. Um, very young teams for both of them. And in Memphis, with John Morant, you know, lost Valentinus to the Pelicans here and took up Steven Adams. I think the Pelicans won that trade. Uh, we'll see how that plays out, but that could favor the Pelicans going forward. And, you know, really it's going to be a battle there between Memphis and the Pelicans to kind of overtake Dallas or gain some ground on them this year. So you really got to make sure when you're playing the Southwest Division opponents that you're winning the majority of those four game series against Houston and San Antonio. You don't want to split with those teams and then try to at least get one on Dallas. We have three games against Dallas in the first quarter of the schedule. So really good opportunity early to gauge how good this team is going to be.
0: Yeah. You know, one thing to add to that too. I mean, for those of us who've been in the Southwest division for the last bunch of years, I'm very welcoming this idea that some of the teams are in this mode that you said of rebuilding. I know it's not a huge priority for Houston to win as many games as possible because they have so many young guys in San Antonio. I mean, really for the first time that in forever, probably since I don't even know the eighties, maybe they seem to be unloading a lot of their veteran guys. I mean, DeRozan left Patty Mills left um, Rudy Gay. So, but I mean for the other teams in the Southwest, I mean, you kind of, obviously it's still going to be tough to beat some of these teams and I would never look past the Spurs in any situation, but it is nice kind of to breathe a little bit of a sigh and realize that for once this division, isn't five teams that are all, you know, at each other's throats and trying to all make the playoffs. I mean, there's been years where every team was either in the playoffs or a contender. So it it is going to be interesting to see how that unfolds this year with Teams that are kind of taking a step back and saying, you know, it's not necessarily about 2022, it's about 2025, which I think is definitely particularly the case for Houston with how many guys that they got in the draft that are going to play a lot of minutes this year.
1: And just overall looking at the schedule and and kind of gauging the Pelicans and what they are possible to achieve. I mean, I definitely think they can be over 500 this year and, you know, there's obviously going to be some some tough games down the stretch. Uh, They end the season in a very tough week. They're going to be playing the Lakers, Clippers, Memphis, who will probably be fighting for that playoff spot, Portland who could be on the fringe there, and then they'll be playing Golden State. So really need to take care of business um, and kind of hit that stretch. You know, they say you want to head into the playoffs on a high note. You want to be playing your best basketball. They really need it then to kind of solidify their spot in the playoffs.
0: You know, I think you said this team has a chance to be over 500. And I totally agree. I think the thing that was tough about last season is a lot of us watched the the year and said they could have been over 500 last year, but the margin is so small in so many ways. And I think, you know, we're probably not going to get into this today. We'll get into it as we get closer to training camp and preseason, but I think that they have improved in some little incremental ways. I wrote about free throw shooting, not to plug my own pelicans.com stuff yesterday But things like that, I mean, would have made it, I think, would have made a big difference last year. And even though they finished 31 and 41, I think for people that watched the team and followed it all season, they realized that they weren't that far from being a 500 team. So hopefully, some of the changes that they made will give them that little bit of boost that they need. I don't think they're that far away from being a very good team, but it was just a lot of different things that stood in the way of that happening last season.
2: Talk about the nationally televised schedule. I think everyone, looks to that first to see how many times this team will be on. And it's 15 if you combine ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. I think it's on the lower side compared to the last couple of years. no Christmas Day game for the first time uh, in a few years as they were on two years ago in Denver last year on against the Miami Heat. Does that really matter in, in the grand scheme of things, Jim, when we're talking about national television exposure? I know I always enjoy the local broadcast, whether it's on the television or the radio. So for me, it doesn't really matter. But I know some folks will look at why the Pelicans only on that many times. But I feel like with two seasons under 500, I'm sure it's something they got to earn uh, to get back up there. But does it does it really matter how many games are on national television? No, I don't think so. And and, and I guess
0: we'll we'll have to wait a little bit to see all of the tweets that come in and the reaction from fans as people get kind of a closer look at everything and all the details of the schedule. But I do expect um, people to not have that big of a negative reaction to the national TV number dropping, because I think the average person Pelicans fan realizes that if you're going to think about this reasonably um, they needed to win more games to keep that national TV number up at the level where it was. Um, I think the net, the networks, I mean, I'm speculating here, but I think after you have two years in a row where you don't make the playoffs and you're 10 plus games under 500, the networks don't want to load up on games, your national TV games at the end of the season, when you might be out of the race. And I know they had some games that they broadcast where the Pelicans, especially two years ago, where they were, you know, not in the race at all. They had a 13 game losing streak, man, I'm getting negative again here, but, uh, (laughs) but, uh, but I let you into that one, but anyway, but the point is that, um, they need to earn their national TV appearances. And I think for a team that hasn't made the playoffs in the last three years to get 10 on ESPN and and TNT is not bad. So in the scheme of things, that's still a pretty good number. It's just in comparison to what we've seen the last couple of years, it's low.
2: Absolutely. When we look at the schedule again, with the 82 games, before we kind of wrap things up talking about main important dates, Uh, January 1st of course New Year's Day always very popular down here in New Orleans whether going out or going to the Sugar Bowl Pelicans will be at Milwaukee at 5 p.m central time again no Christmas Day game no Thanksgiving games there's never any Thanksgiving games the Pelicans will be on the road right after that with a tough back-to-back against Utah Jazz but we're also back on MLK Day this year uh, with a visit with the Boston Celtics normally not your your normal MLK Day opponent, usually it's the Memphis Grizzlies or potentially the Atlanta Hawks, who, of course, will be on there as well. Um, Other than that, Valentine's Day, you can spend inside the Smoothie King Center with us against the Toronto Raptors and the back-to-back against the Raptors and the Memphis Grizzlies. Aaron, before we kind of get out of here, is there anything else that sticks out to you, whether it's another stretch of the schedule, an opponent, or uh, are you kind of just ready to to go here?
1: Um, obviously ready to go. Yeah. I know training camp starts September 28th, so looking forward to that date for sure. And then the first preseason game for the Pelicans is October 4th um, against Minnesota. They will be here at the Smoothie King Center on October 6th against Dallas. So that'll be a fun game before the season even gets started. Um, but I think my favorite stretch of the entire schedule is their longest homestand that they have. It's 10 days that they're going to be here in new Orleans. They're going to have six games from February 8th to February 17th. So yes, you mentioned Valentine's day. I think that's a great opportunity to to take somebody out um, for -hmm. Valentine's day. So think ahead guys and, and start getting some tickets.
2: There we go. We're already plugging our Valentine's day game here. Nothing says I love you like Pelicans basketball inside the Smithy King Center. Jim, anything you want to add as far as. Yeah. The you know, one of the things that
0: I like about that stretch too, is that leads right into the all-star break. So um, the Pelicans and, and and pe- the important people that work for the team, like us, we're actually going to be able to be home for a long stretch of, you know, two, three weeks straight. Where we won't have to pack up any suitcases. So I, I really like that as well. That's a nice little
1: elements of the schedule making it about himself here
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's not a surprise you'll get to know that aaron real quickly here that jim is all about jim when it comes (laughs) to the travel schedule and anything involving the pelicans but also keep in mind mardi gras this year hopefully we can get back to mardi gras which means it's important to get the vaccine wear your mask but march 1st is mardi gras this year so between all-star break and the pelicans being on the road during that mardi gras weekend they'll be on the road that friday night at phoenix and then sunday night at Los Angeles, but a chance to kind of get out there for Lundy Gras and Mardi Gras Day with the Pelicans not having a game. So selfishly, I'm looking forward to that. And I think it'll be good for Aaron to experience her first Mardi Gras here in New Orleans We're not having to worry about covering a basketball game. So I think for me, that's another thing that sticks out is he will be able to experience a ton of the first week with the All-Star break and then the second week uh, with just a few road games. So I think that's a big opportunity for the Pelicans um, to kind of celebrate Mardi Gras and also celebrate some uh, some home games leading into the all-star break. So for a full Pelicans breakdown, go log on to pelicans.com and the Pelicans mobile app. Jim Ikenhofer will have thousands of articles about the schedule. Again, it's amazing how we do break it down so much, but it is interesting because, again, every team plays everyone at least twice. There's some teams you play three times, some you play four, Um, but everyone at the end of the day will play 82 games. And, of course, all of them will be on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM, And, of course, most of them will be on Valley Sports New Orleans as well. The broadcast schedule will come out later on in September. But as Aaron mentioned, preseason will begin on October 4th with three of the four games on the road. Minnesota on the 4th, Chicago on October 8th. And we'll wrap things up with the Utah Jazz on the 11th. And I'll give you nine days in between to get you ready for the home opener against Philadelphia. So, again, we welcome Aaron to the broadcast team. Looking forward to having on many podcasts and also on the Pelicans radio network and Jim, you're stuck with me for another season on this podcast in the post game show, but we'll have some fun this year. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully we're, we're going to be back on the road as well. So we'll, we'll see what happens there.
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, I'm excited about some of the moves that the Pelicans made this year, this summer. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited. We loved what we saw in summer league. And I think the development of some of the younger guys is going to be one of the big themes of this season as we get into preseason and then the re- the regular 82 game schedule. Um, there's a lot of young talent on this on this team. We added some more in Aaron Summers. And uh, so we're looking forward to the 2021-22 20, seasons.
1: Same, definitely happy to be a part of the team.
2: Yeah, biggest free agent acquisition was Aaron Summers for sure. So we're <laughs> lucky to have her uh, with us here on the podcast. All right, that'll do it for the schedule. At least we're going to take a little bit of a break uh, from the podcast, and we'll be back with you in a little bit later heading into training camp. So for Jim Mike and Aaron Summers, I'm Daniel Sallerson. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by C.